Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 4 to 6 with AMB is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Ohio State ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You can also find great deals on Browns, Cavs, and Blue Jackets tickets. It doesn't get any easier than a two-tap checkout. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. The culture is the culture. It's 4-6A to six, A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. Uh, the plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to the latest edition of 4-6 to six with A and B. Uh, we had some Friday night football last week, and Landis and I were in the car uh, on the way home on Saturday morning, and we were just saying, wow, it's going to be an awesome undefeated undefeated matchup. Big football in Columbus this coming weekend. And then they, in the car, uh, I held up the phone for Bill at a stoplight, and we watched the Illinois field goal kicker pipe it. What was it? 12-yard field goal <laughs> win the game, and, and, and we're back. <laughs> Ohio State's boring, awesome season rolls on because Wisconsin couldn't beat Illinois. So it's only a top 15 matchup instead of like a top six matchup. I wish it was top six. Let's be honest, though. The game would have played out. the exact- Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No matter what number is next to Wisconsin's name, doesn't really change how, the game, how we think the game was going to go. Well, my plan before Wisconsin lost was to break out my fake good win story from last year's Michigan State game and use it again. Because uh, it was going to, so Ohio State, I, in my opinion, is going to cover the fourteen point spread, which I'm sure we'll get into. And at that point, it would have been like, holy crap! Look, Ohio State just beat a top six team by whatever they beat them by, and everybody would freak out. But I think, you know, if you're paying close enough attention to just the way that roster is built up and kind of, you know, what Wisconsin is, you know, every year, and I know that teams are improved and different um, as seasons go on, but I think we get a good gauge of what Wisconsin is. Um, I still don't think that I would have thought, had they been undefeated, that they were going to beat Ohio State. No, I don't think so either. But I also wouldn't, um, I wouldn't categorize it the same way you did that Michigan State game last year. I think Wisconsin is still probably the best version of Wisconsin we've seen in, I don't know, ten years. Yeah, and last year's Ohio that that story for the Michigan State game was more so that Ohio State didn't play didn't all play that well, well, right? Not so much the opponent. I was just saying that it would have been the epitome of. It wouldn't have been like Alabama beating LSU or something like that. And I think no. people were trying to make it into a big-time big, big time matchup like that. And I think we know – everybody knew that that wasn't going to be the case. I think we knew. I don't – you and I knew, certainly. Um, 
I don't know. I think I think the country the country's reaction reaction to this will be interesting if Ohio State destroys Wisconsin. Because then I think you'll you'll still hear the well Wisconsin's not as good as everybody thought they were two weeks ago. And there's some validity in that. But I but I do think this is some kind of measuring stick for Ohio State. It is they are playing the number one defense in the country and you can kind of pull that apart a little bit too. But it, like Wisconsin is definitely the best team Ohio State will have played so far, and I think probably by a significant margin. That matters. They deserve to be ranked. I know they lost to Illinois. Good teams lose to bad teams. Sometimes it happens. Georgia lost to South Carolina. Um, doesn't mean Wisconsin stinks. I still think Wisconsin's decent. They are Wisconsin. We know what they're going to do. I still think they're too one-dimensional to be a legitimate national contender. But it's a solid football team. What happened was Ohio State – is kind of in a lose-lose situation because that Illinois loss, in my opinion. Because if Ohio State beats the crap out of them, say 48-20 to 20 or whatever, he can make up a fake score and like really has a convincing win over Wisconsin, people will just say, oh, wow, big deal. They just lost to Illinois. Who gives a crap, right? Mm-hmm. And if they lose, then Ohio State will be in a position that they just lost to a team. They just lost to Illinois. Yeah, even though it actually wouldn't be an eliminating loss at all. It's not. No, it wouldn't be. I, I one of the stories I wanted to write this week, and I don't know, maybe I still will, is the fact that this is an exhibition game, kind of. Unless you are a believer in the Minnesota Golden Gophers, roll the boat. But if you're not, and you think that Wisconsin, who doesn't have to play Penn State this year, right? Uh, correct. So Wisconsin's going to probably play, or is going to play Minnesota for a chance to win the Big Ten West. So if they beat Ohio State on Saturday, which I would be surprised again if they did but if they do um then they will likely represent the big 10 west based on a pivotal matchup with minnesota later on i would pick wisconsin to beat minnesota right now um and then meet them again in the big 10 championship game and if ohio state wins the big 10 this game will be irrelevant yeah you have you get sort of a makeup game and we'll see minnesota's undefeated minnesota's there's two undefeated teams in the country that like no one's really talking about it's minnesota and, and uh baylor they're just not in the conversation for playoff right now, even though they haven't lost yet. But Minnesota plays hosts Penn State, I think, in two weeks or three weeks. And, like, well, no. I, I don't think Minnesota's all that legitimate, but they have been playing well. They haven't lost. That matters, but I would pick Wisconsin to beat them, too. And that's in the last week of the season they play. So, on Saturday, usually Landis and I are at a stadium and, you know, doing our thing and covering football. But this Saturday, we had um, a little bit of a bonding day. Did you say it was a bonding day? Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. <laughs> um, where we drove partially back from Chicago to Ohio, but we stayed in Indiana um, to watch football all day. And we watched the Michigan-Penn State game very closely, and it was kind of a measuring stick in our mind um, for where Ohio State stacks up in the Big Ten and you know what we think Ohio State can do when they face these two teams that are going to decide whether or not or go a long way in deciding whether or not Ohio State makes a college football playoff. Um, but before we get into that, I just wanted to thank everybody for listening to the latest edition of 4 to 6 with A and B. If you are listening on Apple, iTunes, that's the same thing, Spotify, I do Stitcher. That every time too. I always say Apple and iTunes. Um, the same. Make sure to rate and uh, leave a review. Subscribe. Subscribe to theathletic.com. Uh, www.theathletic.com slash 4-6 for 40% off promo code. And we, we really want you around for our Friday episodes, which are subscriber only on the Athletic app. Um, but, you know, do us a solid because, you know, I think we're pretty great. 
Yeah, thanks. We, we did pick up a couple. Uh, we picked up a couple five stars. Picked up an anonymous three star. I see you out there. Yeah, we we see it. Um, if you're gonna leave a three star review, that's fine. Like I get that there's always room for improvement. You know, yeah, you just got to be better tomorrow than you were today, yeah, Jim take Harbaugh. A, take a day by day. But if you think we suck at something, then tell us why we suck so we don't do it anymore. Like one was, you guys curse too much, and now I'm trying my best not to curse and try to be somebody who I'm not. Yeah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Um, but anyway, we were back in the hotel room. We had some wings. Um, so it was it was a it was a man night. My guy over here had the his. We had separate hotel rooms, but he had his hotel room on what, 40, 35. I had to go put on a sweatshirt and I put on like a knit winter hat so I could sit in this guy's hotel room and watch football. The first thing I do if I'm not with my girlfriend or anybody who's not a guy. <laughs> whether is that sounded really weird and i don't know why uh, i was like I was like i've shared hotel rooms with my mom and stuff when i was in high school women have a lower temperament for cold than men right i'm not a doctor i'm not a doctor but every girl I i've ever known if I were you. Divert. every woman i've known doesn't like the temperatures that i like so maybe that's just the luck of the draw but the first thing i do when i'm in a hotel room when i'm alone is walk directly to the thermostat and put the air conditioning down to the lowest possible metric. And in this hotel, it was 40. So I put it down and... It got there, let me tell yeah. you. <laughs> well, you don't like a, a nice, brisk hotel room? I mean, the, the thing, too, is Landis was sitting right next to the vent. I prefer, so, like, a comfortable, like, in the 60s. I don't need it to be, uh, you know, Fargo when I'm sitting in the Yeah, hotel I woke up with my hands were blue, and it was the most glorious feeling ever. But this hotel had a nice uh, 55-inch flat screen on the wall, and we got to watch the game. And Bill, did you see anything in those four quarters of football out there at State College, Pennsylvania, that makes you think that one of these teams could get Ohio State? I mean, I guess it changed after Penn State's first and second half or two different halves, but yeah. I, so I, I think I said um, one of the shows last week that if the game if the game was close, then then that would probably say a little bit more about Penn State than it did about Michigan. Um, and I'm going to flip flop on that because. I wouldn't be a sports writer if I didn't flip-flop my opinions. Uh, I thought Michigan's offense looked pretty good in the second half against what I do think is a good and, and fast Penn State defense. So it's just one half, and and they should have tied the game. Ronnie Bell dropped a touchdown pass, and they, if they catch it, they're probably going to overtime. I'm curious now to see what that means for Michigan moving forward. Michigan plays Notre Dame this week at home. Um, they're catching some points, which is interesting. At home. No, they're giving points. No, they're catching points, right? Oh. They? Yeah. No, no, no. Michigan is giving Notre Dame points at home. They're favored. Oh, I don't know uh, how much money you all have, but uh, go ahead and put the farm on that one. Um, I'm curious to see if that second half for Michigan meant anything for them moving forward because their offense has been so bad all year. It's been borderline, not borderline, it has been unwatchable. They were supposed to be speed and space and spread it out and revolutionize things with Josh Gaddis. And for the first five games of the season or six games of the season, they didn't look like they know what they were doing. And I thought the second half against Penn State, it was a little bit more of what I envisioned for Michigan's offense this year. And I think it makes sense that it would take time to get there. I didn't think it was going to be instantaneous. They'd be awesome. But they certainly could have looked better than they looked before that game. So if that means they're starting to figure things out, then I would feel a little differently about Ohio State's matchup with Michigan. Um I think Penn State's offense is, is a little bit of a work in progress, too. Their running back situation's weird. They're not a particularly good, strong team running the ball because they can't figure out who their best running back is, although it certainly looks like it's Noah Kane, even they don't give him the ball enough. Um, 
but uh, overall, no, I did not. I didn't come out of that thinking. I, I was hoping we would come out of that with like, okay, one of these teams looks like it's really going to give Ohio State a challenge, and they get Penn State here in Columbus, which matters. If it was there, I guess I'd feel differently. But no, I, I think. I came out of it feeling a little stronger that, that Ohio State is going to run the table here in the Big Ten. If you want to get your wallets up for the Notre Dame spread, it's falling very quickly. Uh, I think it opened at four. Now it's only one and a half. Uh, Michigan's still favored, but I think people were hopping on the Notre Dame train there pretty quickly. But you, know, you said I was, I was, you know, maybe something will, will spark into Michigan after they came back and made a game out of the Penn State game. But then in the same breath, you said, get out your wallets. So, like, do you think that – well, I had I had the spread mixed up. What who is favored in that game? Michigan is giving Notre Dame one and a half points right now, which means that Notre Dame is the underdog. Yeah, I think I, would, I, think, I mean Notre Dame to this point has shown that it is better than Michigan, so I would take the better team catching point, getting points. Yeah, yeah. That's not, that's not a far fetch. Do you want to drive it back to Indiana? No, Indiana has legal uh, sports betting, so I, I dabbled a little bit over the weekend, and let me tell you, it was not a fun time. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State really blew it for everybody. Um, I think that Michigan looked better in the second half. I was watching that first game, or that first half, and me and you were laughing. I was like, God, Michigan is terrible. And I was like, holy crap, Penn State might be really good. And, you know, obviously a second half can change your perception, but the way that Penn State played in that first half, I thought that's going to be a game. And right now, I think that Penn State is absolutely the best remaining team and the most likely team to beat Ohio State this year. Did you come out of that thinking they're anywhere capable of beating them, though? Of course, I, I think it's, I think that was true before they played, and certainly it's true after. They're capable? The team. Yeah. If any Did team... your opinion of whether or not... We said a couple weeks ago we think Ohio State's going to go 12-0 now. Did your opinion on that change in any direction whatsoever coming out of that game? Coming out of the Penn State Michigan. Okay, so we were talking before this podcast started, and Bill thinks I'm nuts, and maybe I am nuts. But the Penn State game is very interesting to me because it lands on the same exact part of the schedule that the 2015 Michigan State game lands on. It's the second-to-last game of the season. It's the game before Michigan, and it's probably the only game that Ohio State cannot afford to lose if Penn State continues to win their games. So if Penn State comes into that game undefeated, and I think there's a chance that that could happen, yeah. unless they lay an egg uh, at Michigan State on Saturday, which you know also is possible. But if those if that's an undefeated matchup, that is the Michigan State game from 2015, and I don't understand why scenario or how wise, yeah. scenario wise, yeah. And even if they get through the 2015 Michigan State game, they still have to go to Ann Arbor the next week and play. I don't know. I think Ohio State still is going to go 12-0, and but I would not, if given the opportunity to gamble on it, would not because I think that that is a brutal stretch, and I don't think that either of those two teams individually are good enough to beat Ohio State just in terms of roster construction and how good they are, but I think when you add in the schedule and the demands of winning those two teams or those two games back-to-back, all the cumulative energy – both physically and mentally, emotionally, with Thanksgiving and Michigan and all that, I think that it is going to be really, really tough to win those two games. And I honestly don't know if anybody in America has a tougher two-game stretch. And I was talking to Doug Maurice in the press box on Saturday, and it's like I know that a lot of times in the SEC, like they have these like overmatched crap uh, non-conference FBS 
Before Rivalry Week, they play terrible teams. But now, I don't think they're ever going to schedule LSU for Alabama the week before the Auburn game. I mean, like, that's... And, like, no, it's so funny to me that, like, the Big Ten is... And Jim Delaney was so bent out of shape, and I wrote about this in Chicago during Big Ten Media Days about the Big Ten not having a representative. Meanwhile, the people who are creating the, the schedule... What did I say? You just said representative. I was just clarifying. Representative the in the playoff. Um, why they would do that to a team. Doesn't make much sense. You can't flip the Rutgers and Penn State game? If Penn State's playing Michigan, Michigan and Michigan State back-to-back. It's clearly not the same thing, but it's kind of similar. I don't think they should do it to anybody, not just Ohio State. I don't think anybody. Like if you're a legitimate – if you're one of the top four teams in the conference and there's money to be made and – it's important that the Big Ten is represented in the race to win the national championship. The conference is not doing themselves any favors by scheduling the games this way. No, I agree. I'm looking up to see who Michigan plays the week before it plays Ohio State. But I typed in the wrong year. Penn State plays Ohio State and then I think closes the year with Rutgers um, in the last week of the regular season. So they don't have that kind of tough back-to-back, at least to close the year. And then Michigan, the week before it plays Ohio State, is on the road at Indiana. They play Michigan goes Michigan State at Indiana then Ohio State so they get I mean Indiana isn't a terrible team they're certainly in a pushover and it's on the road but it's not it, there is some kind of barrier between Michigan State and Ohio State for Michigan so for Ohio State to make the college football playoff this year they have to beat Penn State at home they have to go on the road in a rivalry game and beat a desperate Michigan team who just at that point could have three or even four losses and even if they do like this could that might be the Super Bowl for Jim Harbaugh to try to legitimize him uh, him you know, staying around. I don't know what's going on in the administration up at Michigan, but that's got to be really uncomfortable right now. And then they've got to win a Big Ten championship in three consecutive weeks. Then maybe they'll play Minnesota, but if it's a second game with Wisconsin and that's how it plays out, that is a heck of a run. I don't know if any other team in the country would have had to stretch that way to get in there. I think they're – I don't want to talk out of turn, but I think this is true. There is a scenario where Ohio State beats Penn State and loses to Michigan and still gets to Indy. Oh, and then yeah, no, the I agree. Championship. So, like, I don't I don't think they have to win all three of those games to get to the playoff. I think you have to beat Penn State. At least right now you have to beat Penn State because Penn State hasn't lost yet. But I think if Penn State beats Michigan and Ohio State beats Penn State and then Michigan beats Ohio State, Ohio State can certainly get to Indianapolis. And yeah, and then get to the playoff. Yeah. You'd prefer to win all three, and to win all three is ridiculous. We don't necessarily have to win all three michigan has one uh two losses one's in the big 10 east already so you know they're already close to elimination they still have to play michigan state and if they lose one more big 10 game um they're out of the discussion but the notre dame game well, no, they would be out. it doesn't matter michigan will have two losses. So if as it stands right now ever say oh michigan has two losses has two yeah, losses. yeah they've got so two losses in the big state 10. Yep. win beats everybody but michigan and penn state wins out the rest of the or penn state goes with one loss and a one loss is to Ohio State. Ohio State. State goes, go. yeah. Yeah. It would be interesting to see the reaction to so, that. So now Wisconsin's a big game again. I mean, every game's a big game. Yeah. College football, baby. Yeah, every the reaction to losing your rivalry game and then... But still getting in the playoff. That would, like, be the ultimate test of your theory. Because you, you think... Oh, yeah. In the play- oh, it's in not the even playoff, a debate. I don't know. I... Th- I don't think, like, obviously, largely everyone's going, yes, we're in the playoff. We don't care that we lost to Michigan. But I don't think it's going to be 100%. I think some, there are going to be, there's going to if be some If you lined up 100 Michigan. random Ohio State fans 
and walked up to them one by one and said, would you rather lose to Michigan and get to the playoff or beat Michigan and miss the playoff? A hundred of them would say get to the playoff. I don't think a hundred of them would. Unless you're talking to somebody who I think is like, 75 years old and doesn't right. understand the concept of the game anymore. <laughs> wow. The whole point of playing the games is to win a national I'm title. Dis- I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. I'm telling no, no, you that I, I think if saying, you lined like, up 100 Ohio State fans, you might get like five who would say I'd rather be Michigan. I think that if Ohio State loses to Michigan, wins the Big Ten Championship, and gets accepted to the playoff, people will forget that in two weeks. They, won't be for- s- they definitely won't forget it. They'll get over it because of the chance to play for a national championship. They will not forget Ryan Day losing to Michigan in his first shot to do it. It won't matter. If they won a national championship a month later. They won't forget it. I'm not saying that it will supersede winning a championship because it won't, but they won't forget it. It wouldn't wouldn't even be a blip on the radar, in my opinion. I disagree wholeheartedly. You disagree wholeheartedly that winning a national championship wouldn't vastly overshadow the fact that he lost to Michigan? that's not what I said. I just said that winning a championship will absolutely supersede losing to Michigan, but you said people will forget about it, and they will not forget about it. They will not forget about the result of losing to Michigan, even if they win a national championship. It will come back up the next year when Ryan Day is going to play Michigan again. It will matter. Your record against Michigan. Oh matters. yeah, I mean, we talk about close games from every game every year. No, that's all I'm saying. It doesn't I mean get, I haven't get wiped away forgotten about the Purdue game, but it's completely irrelevant. Yeah, but Michigan's not irrelevant. All I'm saying is, is given the opportunity, I'm not saying that. Losing to Michigan isn't going to matter to anybody ever. I'm saying in the moment, if that happens, people will gladly trade that to play for a national title. Sure. And I think it would be the biggest middle finger there possibly is to Michigan to the fact they finally get them and then they go win a national title. That would be the most ironic thing that ever happened. But if Ohio State loses to Michigan, I don't know if they will win a national title. If they're capable of losing to that team, then that would change my opinion dramatically about whether or not they're equipped to beat Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, or LSU. Yeah, maybe, depending on how it happens. You know, but, but you know, that, that game is crazy. The good news is it's in two months or a month and a half. Yeah, but that's I love talking about that. Because if it's like the Tyvus Powell interception game right. and then the two-point conversion just is made and it's not, like the game was the same. And like sometimes I think it's funny how we can reduce four quarters of football and then it automatically disappears because of the result of one last-minute play. Um but I, I, I would not be shocked if Ohio State went up to Michigan and they're probably, what do you think they're going to be right now, a 14-point favor in that game? Yeah, probably. And they ended up winning 24-17 to 17 or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a close game. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. It's on the road. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious about how Ryan Day handles that game. I think he can talk a good game all you want. Urban was a maniac that week. And it, and it matters. I'm very curious to see how Ryan Day is going to treat and talk about that game. Because yeah, there was some there was some concern from some people and maybe rightfully so and this is the reason I went to New Hampshire to write the story, but Ohio State has always had Ohio guys as the head coach here who have grown up and understand and have been indoctrinated by this rivalry. And their head coach now is a 40-year-old from Manchester, New Hampshire. And I I just – and when people, like, who aren't from Ohio, like John Cooper, come to Ohio and don't understand or grasp it, and you go look at both sides, Rich Rod didn't get it. If you sit in the press conference and act like this is just any other game, 
that's usually when the failure begins. Yeah, he's not going to do that, and he's he's already he's said he's already said the right things when it's come up. I'm not. I mean, he'll he'll do that. The press conference performance will be what it needs to be, but press conference performance is different from eating, sleeping, breathing it every single day the way that Urban did, and why he went seven and zero. Yeah. Jim Trussell had the greatest uh, moment in that rivalry, and I don't think people might have thought it was phony in the moment when he uh, went to the St. John Arena for after he got introduced and said that the fans would be proud of them when they go to Michigan and had the the same amount of days, right? Yeah. And you'll be proud of the kids in 200-whatever days or whatever it was to when we were playing Michigan. They ended up beating him his first year, but I think that Trussell also, of all the all the – coaches that have understood that rivalry I would say I would even say that Trussell embraced it and, and was more intense about it than even Urban was even though Urban had a better record really I didn't cover Trussell but that's surprising yeah. to me to hear I mean the thing about the Michigan game and I wrote about this last Michigan game is the Michigan game was different in the 2000s than it was in the last seven years because that was it like during the Trussell era we were still in the world of Ohio State football where it was beat Michigan, win the Big Ten. That's a successful season. And now that we're in a situation where we just had the debate that we had about the playoff, that's kind of, in my mind, changed the Michigan game a little bit because now the Michigan game is a step in the direction of trying to accomplish those goals and isn't necessarily the end game to the season. Because in the past, it used to be Michigan game and you get what you get for the bowl. So winning the Big Ten and beating Michigan usually were synonymous, and that was the Big Ten championship. That was the game. So Ohio State, much like Michigan is now, always was waiting for that final game of the season before they could celebrate or feel like they accomplished anything. And now, and this it could happen as soon as this year, Bill. It's going to happen eventually. It might happen this year. But there is going to be a time where Ohio State is undefeated going into the Michigan game, and Michigan has two or three losses, and that – win is not going to have any bearing for on either side about who gets sent to the Big Ten championship game. And it's going to be a rivalry, and Ohio State's going to want to win. But covering the Michigan game when it's irrelevant to who plays for the conference championship game would be a very fascinating situation. That could not exist in the 2005. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be any different. I get what you're saying. I just don't know if that's actually going to be the case. Pride is big. Pride is always I mean, big. Whole, I'm not, there's a giant wall in their facility that plays games against Michigan on a loop and has the entire robbery documented every time you walk up the stairs or go to eat lunch. Like I don't think that the feeling of that game and how important it is is ever going to be diminished. I understand that the, the landscape of college football has changed, and you're right about that. It is more of a step toward something than it was in the past, but I don't know if like, – on that Saturday, I don't think it's going to feel any different. I think the rivalry has shifted – this is podcast took a weird turn, but I'm kind of liking it. Yeah. Do you like the turn? Yeah, I like the turn. I want to talk about Wisconsin, too. We'll talk about Wisconsin right after that. make my point, because my point's the only thing I care about. You know when you're on a podcast and all you're doing is waiting for the other person to stop talking so you can talk again? Do you ever get that? No, I like listening to you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Ohio State's roster is not built up of the same percentages of people from Ohio anymore. The Michigan game has been a one-sided one-sided rivalry, lopsided completely. What have they won one time in 20 years? What's, what's been one time since 03? Yeah. Is that the stat? The coaches on this team aren't from Ohio. 
The head coach is not from Ohio. And Michigan hasn't been in the way of Ohio State accomplishing well, anything. There's coaches on Ohio State staff from Ohio. Yeah, no, I know, but I'm just saying the majority of people associated with the game on the team are not from Ohio. Now that the way that things are, are, are have evolved from a recruiting standpoint, I'm not saying they don't hate Michigan or they don't want to be, but the rivalry has definitely shifted some based on the results on the field, the composition of the roster and the staff, the head coach not being from Ohio, and the fact that Ohio State just doesn't fear them anymore. Like, this game doesn't feel like it did in 06. And maybe that'll change, or maybe that'll come back around. felt like a pretty big deal. I'm not trying to say that the game is not intense and they don't want to win. I, I, I hope that people don't think that I'm saying that. I'm saying the game used to feel different and more intense in the 2000s when Trussell was a head coach because it was... Because they were more closely talented. They were more closely talented. The game was more of an indication of what was going to happen on in the season. And granted, Ohio State has played games with Michigan in the recent past that were, you know... The, the 16 game was about making the playoffs. So, like, it, that has existed in the recent past. But with the introduction of the Big Ten championship game and the college football playoff... In 06, Ohio State went into that Michigan game against the number two team in the country, and whoever won that game was going to go to the BCS National Championship game, and there was nothing after it. Anybody could have won. It was a coin flip. Ohio State, in my opinion, should have won the game by 27 or 28, but they won by three. Yeah, but that also can't like be your basis for what the rivalry feels like. That's like a one. It is what do they call it? The game of the century. Like it's yeah. not. That's not. Normal. That's not the normal barometer, I think, for what this rivalry is. That was like special, special circumstances. Yeah, I mean, the game of the century is the game of, of the century, but the 2003 game was awesome. The 2004 game was awesome. The 2005 game was awesome. Like, I mean, they were all like that. Not to the same extent because of the national championship game, but even the 03 Michigan game had implications for the national championship race. So did the 05 game. I mean, but so did 13, didn't it? Tyvis Powell's interception, Ohio State was still in place to go get a national championship, and they lost to Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship. 2016 had those implications. Ohio State was hoping to squeak into the playoff in 2017. They had to go on the road and beat Michigan. Like, I don't, I don't you know. know. Maybe people think that I'm nuts. Maybe I am. You know, and I think there was some weird – I got to go back and read the comments from the story I wrote about this because I wrote about this during Michigan Week last year, didn't I, or was it two years ago? Do you remember? I don't remember. No. It's just feeling different. Maybe it's not I different. You, wrote, you definitely wrote it. I can't remember what year it was. Um, maybe it's not different. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe. I'll be interested to hear people's feedback. It'll be also interesting just to see like what... There hasn't been a Michigan game that I can remember that isn't going to matter for Ohio... That might not matter for Ohio State's quest to a title in that scenario you just laid out. So that would be very different. But I don't think that's happened once. Yeah. Wow. I need a cigarette. <laughs> Bill, so Wisconsin, you want to talk a little about the game and you know where you think things could get tricky? Um, Wisconsin, I think there's this general aura right now um, amongst fans that thought that Northwestern carved up Ohio State on the ground. Yes. And I know that you got worked up about that while you were driving and you did that condescending voice that you do to me usually, but just to yourself. And I want to know what your take is. Do you think that Wisconsin is going to exploit things that Northwestern showed that they could do against Ohio State's defense? Okay, so you I have the stats out. He's got the stat book out. I haven't. Ri- I I have to still write this today. It's part of my every Monday, 
and I got to be better about writing it in the morning. So what's up before we do the podcast? I'm I write a, a takeaway story about like, I rewatch the game and give you, you know, like two or three of my biggest takeaways or or why important things happen the way they happened. And I do agree there was a little bit coming out of that game when Ryan Day was asked. Ryan Day said was asked after the game like, oh, they were gashing you guys early. Like what happened in the run game? Um, which I guess is partly true. But here are uh, some stats for you that I will write about in the story that will go up later on Monday. In Northwestern's first two possessions of the game, they had four runs of 10-plus yards, which is not great. Three of them were from a running back. One was from the quarterback. One of those runs came when Ohio State had 10 defenders on the field. So moving forward, first play of the game. We'll think we'll think they'll have eleven. Um, two of those runs came when Ohio State was in its bullet package. They were playing Josh Proctor at the bullet, and they were playing Pete Werner at Mike Linebacker because Baron Browning was injured. In an ideal world, world Baron Browning is playing Mike Linebacker, and there's still a bullet guy out there. Maybe Pete Werner's just staying on the field, but they were short of linebackers, so they were playing with Pete Werner in the middle and Josh Proctor outside, which is an interesting development. We'll be talking about maybe later this week, but. Four runs of 10-plus yards on the first two drives. One against 10 defenders, two against the bullet, and then there was another one. After that, so for the rest of the game, it was like midway through the first quarter, they had two more runs of 10-plus yards, but more importantly, Northwestern's running backs had 30 carries for 81 yards, which is 2.7 yards per carry. They didn't gash Ohio State. They had two weeks to prepare for Ohio State's defense that ended up being down a linebacker, and for two series, they found a way to get a couple of runs of 10-plus yards. And then after that, they stunk again because Northwestern stinks. So I don't think there was anything coming out of that game that would alarm me about Ohio State's run defense. You did it. Does that feel good? Yeah, it felt good. Yeah, yeah. And it's not to say that North that Wisconsin's not going to be able to run the ball. I, I mean, they if, better if, be able to. Like I mean, if they all, don't, it's yeah. all it's all they do. Um, it's, they just could, like, it's just a funny thing that you've noticed. And we've noticed over the course of our careers of just how reactionary people are to every little thing. Well, like, the problem it's just is like, when you're so good, it's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. That was a bad yeah, thing. That yeah. was a bad thing. What happened there? What happened there? It was like, oh, oh nothing. It they was had... just a football play <laughs> where somebody ran for 13 yards, yeah. which happens 100 times in every game. Right. You know, you're not supposed to – teams aren't supposed to go th- – I don't care how bad they are. They're not supposed to go three and out every time. And against Northwestern, they basically did. I mean, they didn't do anything. Northwestern finished with 157 rushing yards. Um, 3.3 yards per carry, but uh, what was it? Yeah, like 40 of those 157 rushing yards came on four plays on the first two drives, and then they didn't do anything the rest of the game. One of which had 10 people on it. Again, one for one of those plays, Ohio State had 10 players on the field. I marvel at the idea that you were able to count that quickly. Is it just because somebody seemed out of place? Yeah, I was looking just to see what, what personnel they were in. I was like, oh, that's weird. They're starting the game in nickel because there's only two linebackers on the field. And then I look at the defensive backs like, well, nope, they only have four defensive backs on the field. Where's the third linebacker? And then after the How play, does it – got to ask about that. trotting onto the field. If you're a starting linebacker and the other person that might have been playing alongside you and platooning you wasn't <laughs> playing, playing, how you're not on the field. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess, like, the one thing that Tough Borland is, I think, is a pretty smart guy. So there, yeah. I'm assuming there was just some miscommunication about what package they were going to start the game in, but they opened on the first series without a middle linebacker, and uh, Northwestern ran for 13 yards. I think North. I think uh, Wisconsin will be able to rush for 175 or 200 yards. Really? I think if they do that, Ohio State's in trouble. I don't think they're going to be able to throw it at all. I think if Wisconsin is running the ball for 175 or 200 yards, they're they're mostly getting what they want. That's literally what Northwestern just did. 
it ran for 157. And like half the game, or for the fourth quarter, like backups were in the game. So I don't know. Depends on, I guess, how Wisconsin gets its 200 yards. Yeah. I would. If I just, I, I just if like, you I don't. Told, if you told me going into the game, Wisconsin's going to rush for 200 yards this game, I don't think that necessarily means Ohio State loses. But to me, in my mind, if Wisconsin's rushing for 200 yards, that's a ball game. That's closer than the, maybe the 14, whatever the spread is right now. Because that's Wisconsin mostly being, mostly being able to do what it wants to do. Yeah. Unless they throw for 10 yards and then. Then I guess I think they'll, I think they might get 300 yards of total offense, and given the fact that they want to pound the ball, and that's the best thing that they do, they could get to 100, 200 yards, 200 yards rushing, 100 yards passing, and, and get beat pretty good. I mean, like I think that there's a world. Here's the thing about Wisconsin: every single year when Ohio State plays Wisconsin, everybody freaks out the same way that you know they do every year, like Melvin Gordon and. All the way back to the Ron Dane years, Wisconsin always has an incredible running back, but they don't have the athletes to compete with Ohio State for the most part. They are basically the same offensive philosophy as they are every year. They always have a pretty good offensive line. I think they do get what they want, but like, I guess you're right when you look back at the past Wisconsin games with these great running backs. None of them really tore Ohio State apart. Like, what did Melvin Gordon have in the 2000? Fourteen. When's the last time a Wisconsin running back torched Ohio State's defense? For all every year, it's the same. It's the same story. Oh, they've got this great running back. They've got this great running back. They've got this great running back. It's like literally never happened. The last time they Ohio State played Wisconsin was in 2017 in the Big Ten Championship. Jonathan Taylor was a freshman. He had 15 carries for 41 yards. This would be a good story. Just like go back and and and. And figure out if any has any Wisconsin running back even rushed for a hundred on Ohio State. Yeah, I, there there are because I think we actually write the story every time Ohio State plays Wisconsin. Um, I don't know who the last one was. I'm looking up. They played in 2016. Those are spirit fingers. That was an overtime game in in Madison when Ohio State beat uh, Wisconsin and JT Barrett played pretty well. Um, that game, if I remember correctly. Uh, Corey Clement in that game, who's a bird now. 25 carries, 164 yards, no touchdowns. It's a pretty good game. 6.6 yards per carry. He didn't score, but he was yeah. good. And Wisconsin gave Ohio State a game. The thing, the th- maybe 200 was too much. But, like, sometimes I just, I'm trying to think, like, what if they rush for eight, 103 yards? What is the score going to be? 48 nothing. Yeah. I mean, probably. Like I feel if, like there's if like Wisconsin. There's, if Wisconsin is under 150 yards rushing, then Ohio State's probably feeling pretty good. about I think Ohio State could get, like I said, 150 to 200 yards, 175 yards of rushing, get what they want, and lose 35 to 14. Yeah, like that's the type of game I'm envisioning. I'm not envisioning Ohio State winning 52 to nothing, and I don't think it's going to be 24 to 17. I think Ohio State's going to win by 21 points, and I think they're going to win with Wisconsin getting a big play. I wouldn't even be surprised if Wisconsin if, if Taylor popped a 75-yard touchdown run. Like, stuff's going to happen. They're a pretty good team. Ohio State hasn't faced a team this good yet. I think that they could put the stats up and still get, get beaten by three touchdowns. I think there's a, a room, a world with both of those could happen. They, it'll be interesting. They have – I think their skill, Wisconsin's skill is all right. I mean, outside of, of – Jonathan Taylor, they have A.J. Taylor, they have Quintez Cephas, they have Danny Davis, a kid from, from Ohio. 
I think Jack Cohn is nothing special, but I also think that Jack Cohn, their quarterback, is probably the best guy they've had. I don't even know. He honestly might be the best guy they've had since Russell Wilson. Like, he's better than Stave. I think he's better than Hornibrook. I can't remember who they had before that. Some other guy who you just... Same player with different yeah, last name. Copy yeah. him and give him a different name. Um, this guy this guy seems okay. He had, a, he had a brutal interception that gave Illinois the opportunity to kick the game. When he I saw that highlight. I was thinking, what were you doing? It's a bad play call. You're Wisconsin, third and five. You're trying to solve the game away, run the ball. Um, but he's thrown it all right. I, know I mentioned this last week, and but you, you can go find it on Twitter. Urban Meyer did a really good segment with BTN breaking down Wisconsin's passing game. And like it's just good enough, I think, to make you worry about it. In the past, I don't even think that's been true. And Cohen has a little bit better arm strength than some of these guys have had in the past. I think he can throw the ball up the seam with some pretty good velocity. And, and Ohio State's defense has been vulnerable there. Um, running tight ends behind the linebackers in front of the safeties. Like Wisconsin, I think, can do a little bit of that. But if they can't run the ball, and they haven't really historically, or not historically, but the last few times they've played, aside from the Corey Clement game, haven't really been able to run the ball. So I just don't I don't see Wisconsin as an offense is going to move the ball against Ohio State's defense. But the, the flip side of it, I think, will be interesting, what, what Ohio State's offense ends up doing against Wisconsin's defense, which is the number one defense in the country. But – they finally played an offense that was like halfway decent when they played. We were talking line. on the way to Chicago because we like looking at the spreads and talking about them. On Friday, on Thursday night when we were driving to um, Chicago, I was looking and the Illinois spread was thirty-one, and it's like the first time that all, that um, Wisconsin all year has played a team with a top fifty-five deep offense. Yeah, and both of us were like, "Take the points," and then the next day when I looked again. They were only twenty and twenty eight point dogs, so people were hammering that. Yeah, that's a pretty pretty big spread. And obviously, we know how it turned out now, but I do think that at times these offenses can get built up into paper tigers in these defenses because there's a lot of bad teams to blow out and a lot of stats to pad. I think Ohio State has had some bad offensive and defensive units in the past, and have also padded their stats against overmatched opponents. I'm not saying that yeah. Ohio State's immune to that. But have the number one defense after you play Ohio State, not before it. Yeah, so it, it'll be interesting. I, I tweeted these out on uh, on Sunday night. I was looking at the S&P Plus ratings for these teams. And it, this is Wisconsin's defense is number one. Ohio State's defense is number two. But neither one of them has really played a great offense yet. The average S&P offense for Ohio State's seven opponents is 72. And the average for Wisconsin's seven opponents is 87. So Ohio State's is a little better. Um, Ohio State's best offensive opponents were Indiana and Cincinnati, which are both better than, than Wisconsin's, which are Michigan and Illinois. So Wisconsin, or Ohio State's defense has been tested a little more, but I still think there's there's stuff to be learned about just how good Ohio State's defense is, but it hasn't played a high-powered offense just yet. Um, I'm, I'm more interested. I, I don't know. I just kind of feel good about Ohio State's ability to stop Wisconsin's offense. I just don't think it's going to be that big of an issue. I'm more interested in what Ohio State's offense can do against Wisconsin's defense. And what they try to do to, to throw Justin Fields off. The way they play defense is interesting, and we've seen it before every time they play, but they can bring pressure from a lot of different places. And I think Ohio State's tackle play has been mostly good, just okay, but Thayer Munford's also banged up. Um, I think he'll play and he'll start, but it's something to monitor if he's if he's in any way limited. And they'll te- Wisconsin will test that out. Um, they'll make Justin Fields, I think, make contested throws, but – Wisconsin might also not have the athletes to cover Ohio State's receivers, and if they can't, then then it'll be over. But Ohio State has played really good defenses before, and it hasn't really seemed to matter all that much. I, I, much, I looked this up before we started recording the podcast. 
in this era, and I'll define era as like whenever Meyer got here because it's just a continuation of that. Ohio State's played nine games against teams with top five defenses, and Ohio State's eight and one, and average four hundred and twenty yards a game and thirty five points a game, and won by an average of seventeen points in the eight games that they won. Do you get the calculator out for that? I did. The loss was Michigan State in the Big Ten championship in twenty thirteen, thirty four twenty four. Um, and last year, Michigan had the number two defense in the country, and Ohio State smoked them. So, like you said, have the number one defense after you play Ohio State, not before. I think that'll probably play out. I would feel very comfortable taking Ohio State to cover this spread, and I think it'll be you know something like forty-two to ten, or maybe forty-two to seventeen. You think it's going to be that bad? Guys on Illinois were running away from Wisconsin's defenders. And, like, that was kind of a strange game because Wisconsin turned the ball over twice in plus territory, and that impacts things. But – and they made some uncharacteristic decisions like throwing the ball in third and five, and I think they kicked the field goal on fourth and short when they should have just went for it. Maybe they'll be more aggressive. Usually I'm the one that's 50 to nothing. I think 34-14 is, like, a score I would – I think Wisconsin is a very solid team, but they're a very solid team in the second tier of college football. I don't think they're a very solid team in the first tier of college football, and that gap can be pretty wide when you're talking yeah, about Yeah, no, maybe, I agree with you. I maybe agree number with you. one versus, like, number nine. I just can't – what's the stat? I read a stat that Ohio State's, like, the first team in the Big Ten to win their first seven games by 20 or more points. Yeah. In God knows how many years. It was in Vanini's thing, I think. Um, he does a stat. I'll look it up. You vamp. Eventually, it's going to have to stop, right? Like, what are they going to do? Win every game by 30? And I I know that, you know, I was super positive after the game. I've been more positive about this Ohio State team than any Ohio State team I've ever covered. I think that they deserve it. But, like, there's always a blip, and I'm just waiting for it to happen, and it hasn't happened yet. And, like, the blip probably isn't going to happen because Wisconsin is a game that they've been looking forward to for a long time. But, like, I just – I cannot pick 55 to – to 10 or 42 to 10 every single week. And I'm, and I'm not saying anything about me. I, I, maybe that'll happen, but eventually like if they're playing the number, whatever defense that Wisconsin is, maybe they'll have a good, good two and a half quarters of, of defense and Ohio state will still score 34 points. 34 to 14 would be a good win. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so. Ohio state's, this is a stat and it was Chris Vanini wrote it for on the athletic, but it came from uh, big 10 network. Ohio State is the first Big Ten team since 1973 to start 7-0 and with each win by more than 20 points. Which is impressive, but also like every time a stat like that comes out in the Big Ten, you have to remember that the Big Ten started passing the ball in 2001. Yeah. I think they're going to roll them. Because the other thing about it is, too, like Ohio State had a bye week before Northwestern. That bye week was not about Northwestern. That bye week was about Wisconsin. I think they're going to – I think this is – Yeah. I, I, I can't argue with you. I think they're going to smoke one. Yeah, 34-14 and 42-10 aren't that different. I'll go on the record with 42-17. Oh, because I think 42-17 could happen and 17 could happen with 175 yards rushing. Yeah. If one of the, Yeah, if one of the scores is just like a 60-yard Jonathan Taylor run. Yeah. 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 My pick's 42-17. And then Ohio State rolls into its second bye week. Also, I, like it's worth mentioning, and well, I guess we'll have a podcast before this happens, but this is Ohio State's last game before the first playoff rankings come out. Yep. They play Saturday. They're off the following week. And, and then the, Tuesday the following after Tuesday. after the bye is when the playoff rankings come out. So this is like Ohio – I don't know. There's a whole half a season left, but this is Ohio State's last chance to make any kind of lasting impression on the first committee rankings. Speaking of lasting impressions and rankings, 
why don't you go ahead and help our our podcast get ranked higher and head on over to Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. subscribe to our podcast and to The Athletic because on Fridays we only um, do this podcast for the readers, the, the, the people who are subscribed to The Athletic, the people who like us enough to subscribe. So if you like us, subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell all your friends. Athletic.com slash four dash six. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We will catch you guys on Friday. Um, we'll put the post up earlier or later this week about uh, questions, and we'll try to get to as many as we can. Um, have a good week, and we have a lot of good stories coming on The Athletic, so be sure to be around for those. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.